Hey everyone, before we get into this episode, I asked our guest George Criticos for someone he's all in on heading into the offseason. George, who are you pounding the table for? Yeah, I know this is going to sound bad, but I'm pounding the table for Henry Ruggs. Uh, I think in dynasty formats, he's going outside the top 100 right now in a lot of startup drafts, and he feels like an afterthought in a lot of redraft leagues. But, you know, they just cut Tyrell Williams. Not that he was a big factor last year, but that's just one less person to, to you know, worry about on the pecking line. And, you know, if the Raiders actually get Deshaun Watson, you know, really could be a, a jetpack on, on the kid who already is uh, quite the speedster as it is. So, um, you know, I really like him. I think he's a good sleeper option, and he's someone who I could really see accelerating up draft boards this offseason. I love it. I love going for speed and youth and excitement. This is great. That table is busted in half. Banging out for Henry Ruggs. I got splinters, George. It's awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, Welcome, everyone, to the Most Accurate Podcast. I'm your humble host, Brandon Niles. Co-hosting today is the great Jen Akins. Chris Allen will be back next week, and he and Jen will be alternating because, let's face it, no one can spend that much time with me. Uh, Jen, welcome to your first day co-hosting the show. I'm very excited to share the mic with you. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I am doing very well, and I am excited as well to take this on with you. I always have a good time when we chat it up. Absolutely, absolutely. One of my favorite people in the world is Jen Akins. Follow her on Twitter, at the Monday Mommy. one of my favorite Twitter handles as well. As I alluded to, we're excited to be joined by George Criticos, fellow 4 for 4 writer, member of Fantasy Sports Writers Association, two-time award finalist, our dynasty ranker. He's recently put out uh, the rookie rankings on the site at 4for4.com. Check those out. You can find George on Twitter at RotoHack. You may have seen his stuff here uh, before at PFF, DLF. He's been everywhere. George, thank you so much for joining us. How you doing? I'm doing great. I don't think I can match your energy, so I'm going to be kind of the, the smooth baseline to your, you know, hard rock power chords. So if that's okay, I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. It's perfectly fine. I'll tell you what, it's, it's all cocaine. That's what it is. It's just a tremendous amount of cocaine before I come on here. That's what I do. Uh, <laughs> thanks so much for coming on. We're going to talk the impending combine as our main segment today. But before we get into that, we want to run through a few little segments, maybe put you on the spot a little. Uh, Jen came up with a great segment to kick off our first time hosting together called Fool Me Twice. Jen, please tell me about this segment. I love it. And let's kind of crank it out. Yeah, I thought it would be fun to kind of go over last year's you know, our picks, guys we loved, guys we loved that maybe didn't pan out, guys that we actually didn't love who did pan out that kind of bit us in the butt. So for this segment um, today, I actually brought, I brought two guys. I brought one on each side of the spectrum. The first one is a guy that everybody is absolutely 100% sick of talking about, so it'll be very brief, but that would be one Tom Brady. Um, <laughs> I was I was adamantly against him. I don't know if it was, you know, just the trauma of watching Peyton Manning, you know, disintegrate before our eyes at a little bit of a younger age or what, but I just didn't buy the move to Tampa. I did not draft him in redraft. I didn't draft him in best ball. And sure enough, he ended up QB8 this season in fantasy points, and um, I did not reap any of those rewards. <laughs> um, but the, the guy on the other side, oh, I'm sorry. And then I, the other thing we wanted to talk about, I guess, is whether we were going to go to the well uh, again this season or not. And with Tom, uh, I don't know. I think, um, I think I'm going to stay away again. Not only do I not trust the father time situation, but I also just don't like the guy. So there's that <laughs> part, too. I don't know. But um, the other guy that I brought um, for this would be Miles Sanders. Um, Ah, yeah. Yeah, he, he, you know, he was a late first, early second 
uh, you know, he only ended up playing 12 games. I think he ended his RB 23 with uh, 13 half PPR points a game, but He's one of those guys that every week he was just tough to deal with. It's like, you're not going to bench him, but is he going to show up? Can I start someone else instead? You know, I just don't want to deal with that again. So I think, I think this year I'm going to stay away again, unless he falls super deep. I don't know. You know, it's, it's kind of early. It's definitely early for redraft, you know, ADP and for best ball, you know, things are kind of starting to roll, but um, it depends on really where he lands. If I'll go back again, I mean, obviously they have a new offense, they have a new quarterback, they have a new coach. So I don't know if my faith is completely, you know, restored in him or not, but we shall see. I feel like that's the worst kind of fantasy guy. The, the worst kind of stud to have on your roster is the one that's not hurt, but not producing because you just mm-hmm. feel like you have to start them. And Miles Sanders absolutely fits the bill for that. Todd Gurley is that every other year. <laughs> yep. yep. Uh, George, uh, Jen mentioned Tom Brady. Are you, are you buying Tom Brady in, in any formats? Like I know you focus more on the dynasty side of it. He's uh, 57 years old. He's p- going to play till he's a hundred. Are you buying him? <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like, you know, the well might be empty, but he knows where the fountain of youth is. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like, you know what, if the price is right, I'm willing to, to, to buy in on one more season. I know that Godwin's a free agent and technically Antonio Brown is, but I feel like he'll probably be back. Same with Gronk if, if Brady's returning uh, and Mike Evans is still there. I mean, unless the price is egregious, I, I don't see any reason not to buy in again. Sure. Sure. Yeah, I'll get I'll get on board. Redraft, it just depends his ADP. I'm right with Jen there. Uh, I'm not going to want to give up a ton for that father time aspect of it. But, you know, I'm, I'm willing to look at it in that Bruce Arians offense, I suppose. Uh, George, um, who's your fool me twice person that you brought today? Oh, man, this was this one hurt me. You know, another young, fast wide receiver. And it was Marquise Hollywood Brown was the one that really oh. just, oh. you know, touched me in all the wrong <laughs> places last year. <laughs> You know, it was pretty rough. I mean, you know, all the offseason reports really had him looking good. You know, he gained some weight to his frame. He was, you know, really clicking with Lamar Jackson. And then he was basically a fringe wide receiver four and per game scoring all last year. And then, of course, like he saved his best game for week 17 when we couldn't use it. You know, he had two touchdowns in that game. And that basically was the only reason he finished inside the top 36 in total points. I mean, it's hard to really like him again you know he's behind mark andrews he's behind you know the running game in terms of red zone uh potential and i think they're probably going to pick up a wide receiver in the draft or free agency so uh, not only am i sad about 2020 but i just don't think that 2021 is going to be good for him he's going to be that better as an nfl player than he's going to be a fantasy option type of guy for the foreseeable future yeah, I, uh, I, I'm with you. I thought there'd be a lot more this year from Hollywood Brown. Jen, are, are you buying Hollywood Brown going into next year? Were you a fan at all? I was a fan. And, you know, I think it really depends on what happens. If they get another receiver. I don't know. This year was a weird anomaly for the Ravens. You know, I think that it's one of those things where talent-wise, I do buy him. I think we just have to kind of see what happens in the offseason with that offense if they add any more you know, place if they add any more pieces to, to that offense or, you know, he did come on at the end a little bit. So he's tough. I mean, he, he's definitely tough. It'll, it'll also depend on his ADP, you know, like most of these guys. Uh, yeah. That Baltimore offense in general, like even if they sign a big name, are you buying that big name? Like insert anyone. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree with you. You know, Lamar Jackson is Lamar Jackson and 
you know, I don't know if a lot's going to change there as far as his, you know, tendency to throw and, and the amount of times that he does throw. You know, I think that, uh, like you said, I don't know, I guess it would depend on who would show up, but I think Mark Andrews might be the only pass catcher still in 2021 that I would really go for. Yeah, so none of us going back to the well on Marquise Hollywood Brown. That makes sense to me. Uh, my guy, my fool me twice guys, Michael Gallup, who I loved last year. Uh, I was all over saying he was better than Amari Cooper. I didn't think C.D. Lamb would impact him. Had 1,100 yards in 2019. I took him in the middle of rounds to be my wide receiver two in most leagues last year. Just burned me. Uh, but, you know, I, I might go back to the well. I, I'm probably not drafting him to be my wide receiver two again in zero wide receiver strategies like I did last year. Uh, but he's just 25 next month. He's had over 200 targets two straight years. Uh, four of his five touchdowns came in the last five games last year. I, I, you know, we'll see what the quarterback situation is there next year. If it's Dak again or, or anything. Am I crazy to go back to the well on Gallup, George? I mean, I think you need to have Dak Prescott there in order for, for Gallup to be a feasible option. I mean, even at the discounted rate, I'm not feeling super excited uh, about <laughs> Gallup necessarily. I, I do think CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper are both better talents. But that said, I mean, you know, Dak showed that he can support three receivers in an offense. Uh, so it's really just a question of, is he back on the team? And if he is, I'm happy to take the discount on Gallup uh, and, and, you know, plug him in as a wide receiver three or four on my roster. I like Gallup. I'm definitely going to gonna add him this year. And I, just like you, I had him on a lot of teams, and I had him just like you as my wide receiver, too, on a lot of teams. But I think, like George said, with Dak back, you know, it, it, it's a difference maker. And I think he's someone that will be, you know, kind of the, the post-hype sleeper type where people are going to be like, oh, no, he screwed me last year. And uh, <laughs> we'll, be able to, we'll be able to get him at a decent value. <laughs> no i get that um this is a great segment i love it jen thank you for bringing it um jen what's in the news this week so you know there's not a lot in the news as we all know and i figured that we've all spent a lot of time discussing what is there which is basically the you know where's carson wentz gonna go where's watson gonna go so i kind of wanted to go a different route and not talk about the quarterback carousel um my first segment is actually or my first news item is actually something that happened locally last week, but I didn't really see it make anything national, so I figured I'd throw it out there. So Philip Lindsay went on local Denver radio and expressed his frustration with his usage in Pat uh, Shermer's offense. And uh, he basically said, and, and I have got a couple quotes here, he said, everybody knows I can run inside well, but come on now, I'm 190 pounds. I can't sit there and run up the middle 24-7. That's just not my style. I have all this speed. I have great vision. I'm a person that can accelerate at any time. I just need to be put in position at times where you can get the pulling guards and you can get the screens, the draws. That stuff right there accelerates a running back, especially my type. Then he goes on later to say, I've worked my off to do the catching and stuff, and I just felt like I didn't get put in the situations to provide it or show it. So basically, obviously, he was upset that he was not used in the passing game. And I kind of went back and looked. So as we all know, right, Philip Lindsay was undrafted. He busted out 2,000-yard seasons for the Broncos rushing. Um, but in, in 2018 and 2019, he had close to 50 targets. I think he had like 50, 48 and 47, something like that. Last year, he only saw 14 in this, in this you know, new Pat Shermer offense. Jeez, uh, I didn't you know, know it was that yeah. different. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was, you know, it's a, I mean, granted, he only played 11 games last year, so that does affect it. So he's a restricted free agent this year. I mean, what do you guys think? I mean, I don't know if they're going to keep him or not. 
you know, do you, you know, obviously we all know that the NFL has become, you know, more of a running back committee. There, there's less and less teams that have a bell cow. I mean, where do you guys see him? I mean, last year I was kind of excited by him. Like in best ball, he was, I thought he was a great value in the ninth, 10th round. Didn't pan out obviously. Cause he did get hurt a little bit, but I don't know where you guys see him. I was thinking George, like as far as dynasty goes, like what's his value? What, uh, what do you see happening with him this year? Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think most, most dynasty rankers kind of have him in the RB thirties, which is a pretty solid area. I mean, that's going to be kind of your, you know, 80th, to 110th, 120th overall pick in a draft. So, I mean, that's eight, 10 rounds, you know, somewhere in there. I think that's a fair value for him. I don't know if he leaves Denver. I mean, we don't see very many restricted free agents leave their teams, unfortunately. So we might be stuck waiting another year. And, and you know, I'm with you, Jen. I really thought that he was going to uh, really do something this last year. I thought that, you know, just seeing how Melvin Gordon was towards the end with the Chargers and, you know, Eckler emerging and all these things, I thought, oh, Lindsay's going to be able to carve out a pretty solid role. And it just never happened. And I'm, oh man, I don't want to say I'm hopeful because I, I going to be honest, I love that Denver offense, but I do not like that quarterback position. I'm not hopeful that, uh, that, that, that what they have today is going to help him, but I, I am hopeful that they find an upgrade there and, and Lindsay has a better chance with a more sustainable offense. That's, you know, creating longer drives and really gives the team more chances. I do think there's a path for him. Uh, but I, unfortunately I do think it's going to have to be in Denver for, for 2021. Yeah. I guess the only thing I was thinking is that there is a new, you know, LA is now gone. There's a new GM, there's a new regime. I didn't know if they were going to maybe, you know, let him kind of see what else was out there. I don't know. Brandon, what do you think? Well, it's a good quarterback draft. So I wouldn't be surprised to see if maybe they bring someone in or maybe swing big. Denver has been known to swing big in the past, try to get in play for Deshaun Watson or somebody along those lines. Uh, Drew Locke just as easily could have been by fool me twice segment person because <laughs> I liked <laughs> Drew Locke last year. Thought he'd be pretty good. Obviously, the injury wasn't a good help. Uh, I'm kind of with George in that I wish the quarterback situation, the offense in general was better. And then Philip Lindsay would be more appealing to me. Um, I agree. Restricted free agency, not usually a lot of movement, especially at the running back position, because normally you need a big deal in order to pry away a restricted free agent. And uh, people just aren't paying running backs in general. So uh, so I think we'll probably end up having to wait a year to see him in a new uniform, which I would love to see. But yeah, I, I'm probably buying him around the same value that you and George mentioned in that, you know, eight, nine, tenth round area. I'm hoping more for future production than necessarily this year redraft. I'm probably staying away at his ADP just because Melvin Gordon's there. It seems like they want to keep giving him the ball for some reason. And I worry about the offense. All right. I guess we're all kind of on the same page there. So my second news item. (laughs) So Aaron Rodgers got, got engaged, right? Think why? Who cares? (laughs) I know that. That's great. (laughs) Yes. Aaron Rodgers got engaged apparently last week at some point. I'm sure you guys are thinking, right, it's fantasy football, who cares? However, um, hear me out here. So last year, coming heading into the season, I wish I remembered where I saw it so I could give them credit. I have no idea. But I saw the theory that single Aaron Rodgers, single angry Aaron Rodgers is a better Aaron Rodgers for football, right? <laughs> I started looking into it. I'm like, okay. And I remember I was on a podcast with TJ Hernandez. We were doing a live best ball draft. And I was trying to advocate to draft him. I went into the whole thing and he laughed at me. And of course he came crawling back mid-season that he felt awful and that he should have listened to me and my theory. (laughs) So I don't know if you guys are Seinfeld people. I assume that most people are. I don't know if you remember, there was an episode called The Abstinence, right? So George, George's girlfriend gets mono 
and he can't have sex for six weeks and he becomes this like crazy scholar. Like, and I feel like this is the same thing with Aaron Rodgers, right? When he's, when he's single slash celibate, he has MVP seasons, you know, the year before. So, so I look, so 2019, right? He had, he averaged 17.3 fantasy points a game with Danica Patrick last year, single MVP season, QB two, 23.9. So he had basically almost six points more per game, fantasy points, uh, single, so now he's engaged. How do we feel about this next season? Are we buying Aaron Rodgers? First a question, is it a Kardashian? <laughs> is he marrying a Kardashian? No, you know what? She's, I looked it up real quick last night, and all I saw about her, the words I saw, Bernie bro. So I, I don't know if she's some politician. I'm not sure what her situation is. Okay. But that's all I saw about her. So I do not think she's a Kardashian. I do not even think she's a celebrity of any kind. Okay, then I'm out. Because a Kardashian, you get that Kardashian <laughs> bump in basketball, right? And I think Reggie right. Bush made a Super Bowl or was not a Super Bowl, like a championship game when he was dating a Kardashian. You've, you've got a, a long history of Kardashian dating equaling uh, you know, <laughs> team success, right? It's a good thing. Uh, so if it was a Kardashian, I might say, yeah, I think it's maybe Green Bay might win the Super Bowl, right? Uh, no Kardashian, uh, no dice for me. He's, he's, he's older. He's up there. He's going to cost a ton coming off number two. And I'm with you. I think when you're single and angry, you play better. That's just, that's just where I go. <laughs> George, what, do you have any feel, any feelings on this topic? I, I have a lot of feelings on this topic. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, Aaron Rodgers is so interesting because there's like this Rogers rage that he's always had throughout his career. Cause I mean, you think about all the animosity with his family. He had obviously all the all the bad blood with Brett Favre early in his career when he was trying to win the starting job. I feel like he just is one of those people that gets very motivated by certain things. And I think there's, you know, reason to be concerned about complacency, right? You know, MVP season and he's engaged and he's obviously very kind of settled and happy and everything. I don't want happy Aaron Rodgers. I don't think anyone wants happy Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. And he plays for the Packers, and I really don't want him happy because of that. But, uh, I mean, you know, he's going to still be good, you know. But I, I think there's there's a legit reason to kind of expect a bit of a lull after the season he had and after probably all the rage that fueled his 2020. I mean, he seemed really upset with the team about drafting Jordan Love. That gave him a lot of fire too. I mean, I don't know if that is going to be there this year. Do you think Green Bay should trade up and draft Trevor Lawrence to help motivate Rodgers a little more? <laughs> I, I think, you know, they got to keep drafting, you know, backup running backs and <laughs> quarterbacks and defensive players and give him no help because that seems to be what fuels his best seasons. <laughs> I love it. Jed, so are you buying? Are you buying in spite of all this? No, I'm not. No, no, no. Aaron Rodgers satisfied sexually is not does not equal good fantasy. So I am I am out. Obviously, of course, it depends on his ADP and whatnot. But I assume, like like we, like someone said, you know, prior coming off an MVP season, his his draft stock is going to be higher than than we're all going to want it to be. Yeah, and and if he and if he gets a, a you know first round wide receiver. In, I feel like that's just going to bump up his ADP further. I think people would just get really excited if one of these kind of shiny rookie receivers or they get a free agent or somebody joins the team. I feel like that's just going to pump him up even more as far as his, you know, ADP is concerned. Oh, yeah, I would love to see Juju Smith-Schuster there, but I know I just uh, fit team fit-wise, but you're right. He, he's, his ADP is just going to go up if the Green Bay improves. Thanks so much for bringing the news here uh, this week, Jen. I appreciate it. <laughs> Uh, I've got a, a quick segment I want to call the feature feature segment. 
Uh, I want to periodically highlight one of my favorite articles from the previous week at 4 for 4. Give a little shout out to the talented writers that we get to work with there. Uh, This week, Jeff Hicks wrote an article on risers and fallers at the Senior Bowl, including my new favorite name in the draft, Georgia tight end Trey McKitty, which has to be my favorite thing. It's spelt McKitty, K-I-T-T-Y. I'm very pleased by this. Uh, Everyone definitely go read it, 4for4.com. George, the biggest name... Uh, one of the names that he mentions in there is a riser from the senior bowl is Mac Jones, quarterback from Alabama. Uh, a lot of mocks I see have him in the first round. I don't know that much about him yet. I haven't quite done my quarterback homework. What do you think of him as a prospect? Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back up for a second because uh, I'm going to say Trey McKitty, one of the best names. Uh, I think the best <laughs> one I've seen so far has been an LSU wide receiver named Racy McMath. Uh, oh, that's so fantastic. That, that one was my favorite. Uh, I think of <laughs> Mac Jones has that name of like the guy that you would like drive to down the street and ask him to fix your air conditioner because he's like super handy. That's what I think of <laughs> Mac Jones as a name. Uh, but but as far as, you know, his he, he did great in the senior bowl. Um, you know, I do think he's a first round pick. Um, but but, you know, there's there's some concerns, right? You know, he only had one big year. He played behind Tua. He had a couple games at the end of that season in 2019 and then had the full 2020. So I think, you know, some people are concerned, you know, is he another Dwayne Haskins type of guy who just had one big year in a very talent-laden Alabama offense, similar Haskins had that very talent-laden Ohio State offense. Uh, You know, so so it kind of concerns some people that he's not necessarily this multi-year generational prospect like Trevor Lawrence or, or Fields from Ohio State. Um, but you know, overall, I mean, he has a decent arm, but he's incredibly accurate. You know, he completed over three quarters of his passes last year and, and he actually has a pretty good deep ball considering he doesn't have that Jeff George cannon type of arm. Um, I would love to see him bulk up a little bit. I think he's probably a mid to late first round pick in super flex rookie leagues. Uh, I would love to see him land somewhere like the Colts, uh, somewhere like that, that maybe would pick up a veteran quarterback for a year, kind of like what they did with Rivers. You know, maybe they re-signed Brissett to a year and then have someone like uh, Mac Jones sit behind him for a season. I think that would be his ideal scenario. Um, but, but I do like him overall as a prospect. I just don't think he's quite to the level of uh, some of these top prospects. I think he's a little closer to Trey Lance um, and Zach Wilson, the BYU and, and uh, North Dakota State quarterbacks, as opposed to Fields and Lawrence, who are clearly, to me, the one and two, uh, Lawrence being one, Fields being two in this draft, I feel like there's a gap uh, to that next tier. Awesome, awesome. And Jen, as a Georgia fan, are you familiar with Trey McKitty? I'm just curious. Not really. I mean, he transferred, and he didn't really get much usage. Georgia's, unfortunately, don't really highlight their tight ends very well. So uh, I don't, you know, he didn't really shine there. But okay. I've heard, you know, I've heard about his talent and, and I know of him. And obviously I'm always thrilled when a Georgia player gets drafted. But he, yeah, like I said, he was a transfer uh, and he, he didn't spend a ton of time there. So unfortunately I, I didn't watch, you know, I didn't watch him for four years like most of the, the players. They're poor branding by Georgia. That's my statement. Poor branding by yep, Georgia. In this 100%. <laughs> Folks, early bird pricing for 2021 4 for 4 memberships are available. Don't hesitate to sign up early and capitalize on the ever-growing off-season content we bring you day in and day out. Check out Classic, Pro, and DFS embedding memberships up to 25% off right now. See 4for4.com slash plans for details. On to our uh, main segment of the week. With the Combine heading up, I wanted to ask George some questions that may be on the minds of fantasy owners heading into it. Like, 
Uh, it, you know, it might be kind of new for a lot of fantasy owners. Might be something they kind of gloss over. Lots of drills, hard to contextualize what they all mean. Uh, George, first off, what what drills at the combine are the most important for what positions? Because I'm sure it varies. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely varies. And I, I think there's, you know, there's this piece even before you get into that where you say, you know, the combine, what it historically has been really good at has been showing the preparedness of players, right? That has been a huge thing because if someone comes in out of shape or, you know, they bow out of uh, certain drills, you know, that can show kind of that lack of preparedness or that lack of confidence in, in their ability to complete the drill well um, and get the, the score that they need you know, or at least they think they need uh, in the minds of, of NFL teams. Um, and then obviously the, the team interest, the interviews, kind of if you hear a lot of bad reviews coming out, those are ways to kind of disqualify some of those players because you definitely will start to see them drop down those NFL draft boards. And that's a huge uh, predictor of success more than anything is, is that draft position. That's what every player there is, is aiming for is the highest draft position possible. So there's that aspect of it. But then as you get into the positions, I mean, you definitely see specific drills and measurements that are more important for certain positions. So quarterbacks, height and weight is, is always huge for the combine, for in, especially in terms of draft position. It's not as much a predictor of success, but it's definitely something that is going to uh, dictate draft position more. Um, in terms of success predictors, it's kind of the agility drills, you know, the three cone, um, you know, those type of drills are going to be a little bit more predictive of success because those tend to be drills that measure kind of their athleticism and then in turn kind of shows you who maybe are those quarterbacks who can escape the pocket a little better, get those uh, scrambles, those those first downs. Um, so that can actually be a little bit more predictive of success than, than most of the other drills for quarterbacks. But in general, the quarterbacks, you know, a little less, a little less predictive overall. But then you get into running backs, you know, really it's the three cone and the broad jump are, are kind of the first ones I watch for. You know, that's a, you know, agility and explosiveness is really what they're measuring. And then the 40 time is kind of that third one, you know, that, that I'm looking for. Um, so those three are, are, are definitely more predictive in terms of future success and for NFL draft position. And then height and weight is kind of those ancillary secondary ones, you know, because you don't want a running back that's not only slow, but also too small. You know, that, that can be a death knell for a lot of uh, running backs in the NFL. Um, you know, wide receivers, tight ends are very similar. You know, size and speed are really the biggest thing. So the height and weight and then that 40 time are, are big for both those positions. And then vertical uh, is actually another one. And, and that seems pretty straightforward because, you know, the vertical obviously um, telling in terms of those jump ball contested situations, also a sign of explosiveness, especially as you think about right off the line of scrimmage. Um, those are kind of the key ones, you know, with wide receivers, I keep an eye on the three cone, same with tight ends, um, especially for those really bad scores. Um, and then the broad jump for tight ends can be important. Um, again, another explosiveness, uh, measure. So, you know, there's, there's usually about two or three different drills for each of the positions that tend to be pretty good measures along with some of the height and weight measurements. Yeah, that makes it, you know, the broad jump is one I never look at. You're absolutely right. Explosiveness makes a, a ton of sense with that. Uh, you know, I always think like with in golf, they have like this, uh, the saying like you drive for dough or, or I'm sorry, you, you drive for show and you putt for dough. Like the 40 <laughs> times seems like the driving part. It seems like that's what everyone talks about. Everyone does. How much stock should we really put into that 40 time? And I realized I'm asking someone who pounded the table for Henry Ruggs the top 40 <laughs> time last year. <laughs> 
I mean, you know, sometimes it can make, right, there's always the case-by-case basis. A guy like Ruggs, like, if he would have had a bad 40 time, it just would have killed him because that is his calling card, and that is what a lot of his ability is predicated on is that speed. You know, we saw the same thing with Randall Cobb. We saw the same thing with John Ross. Uh, You know, a lot of those speedsters, you have to hit that. But in terms of, like, the overall, I would say it tends to be kind of that secondary uh, measurement as opposed to kind of the first thing. It's really just like, don't be the guy who is the slowest and, and you're probably going to be okay. <laughs> Cause we have definitely seen those four, six, four, seven numbers for wide receivers or, or obviously tight ends, you get into four, nine and five Oh can just completely kill the stock of a player. Um, we've, we've seen that plenty of times uh, over the years. Uh, Randy Moss's kid last year ran about a five Oh as a tight end. And he went undrafted at at one point he was looked at as a day two prospect. So, I mean, you know, it it can definitely kill you that way. And then obviously a guy like John Ross jumped from a day two prospect to being a top 10 pick because of a four, two, three, 40 time or whatever it was that he set the record with. Uh, So, so, you know, outliers is really where I think the 40 time can, can propel draft stock or plummet it. And then I think in terms of future success predictiveness, it's kind of a secondary trait. So basically, don't do what they don't expect you to do. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right. More like a double check thing. Uh, Jen, when you're looking redraft and you're evaluating rookies, because I know you look hard at the rookies as well as I do in redraft formats. Um, do you look at combine stats at all? Is that something you look at? Not really. I'm going to be completely honest. Not really. I mean, like like George said, obviously, if someone completely bombed and they're showing that they're you know much slower than, than advertised, I take that into consideration. But uh, I definitely don't look at hand size or bench presses or, or anything of that nature. I just kind of, you know, I try to look at some film. And then obviously the landing spot is is key when it comes to redraft. Because, yeah. you know, Dynasty, you're obviously looking down the road. Redraft, you're looking this year. So, like, for example, for tight end, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna draft a tight end a rookie I'm just not unless it's some crazy I know every single person and their mother is crazy for Kyle Pitts and I might be <laughs> the only person that is not drooling over him at this point just because I've I've studied tight ends for a while in this league and it just it's so rare I mean it doesn't happen really ever so uh, but for as far as the other guys you know the running backs the receivers you know landing spot is key for redraft to see if there is a you know a path to targets or a path to carries. That's pretty much the most important thing, just because it it is a, you know, a seasonal situation. So it's this year and this year only. That's a good point on Kyle Pitts, who I love as a prospect as well. But you're right. It's it's pretty much Gronk and Evan Ingram are like the only two rookie tight ends who have been like fantasy relevant as rookies in the past decade or so. Uh, George, where do you have Kyle Pitts looking at uh, just since Jen brought him up looking at his uh, potential? I mean, obviously, landing spot is an issue. But uh, looking at dynasty, you know, startups and dynasty rookie drafts. Yeah, I mean, you know, if we look, obviously, to Jen's point, I mean, it is very rare for a rookie tight end to produce, uh, you know, but but let's put that aside for a second. Just think about Pitts, you know, more in a dynasty format. I mean, we're talking about a generational prospect type of guy, you know, insane production in college. It's hard to find, you know, tight ends that produce well in college because most teams are not good at using them, Uh, you know, and he is this just insane hybrid that has tight end size and wide receiver speed and ability. And, and he's just, yeah, he's on another level. And, uh, you know, to be, you know, to, to kind of put it into context, I think he's a top five dynasty tight end right now, not knowing his landing wow. spot. 
you know, but I think that's where he's going to fall for a lot of people. And I think unless he lands somewhere kind of egregious, like if he gets picked second overall by the Jets somehow, uh, not that I don't, not that I think that'll happen, but let's just pretend <laughs> that that would be the only way I could see him falling a few spots and maybe landing closer to seven or eight. I think honestly, he is probably tight end four, tight end five. I think a lot of people are going to be sitting him in that range, and and I think it just speaks to a guy who is probably a once in a decade type of tight end prospect. Wow, that's bold! I love it. I love it. Come on, Panthers! I, I want the <laughs> Panthers to get him so bad. I think it fits so perfect. Uh, talking about uh, players that we're looking at at the combine, um, who are some prospects, George, that you're going to be watching that have something to prove? Somebody that maybe could wow someone and and really up their draft stock, or someone who really needs to make sure that they don't drop due to a really bad time. Yeah, I mean, there are definitely going to be a lot of players who are going to be looking to tick specific boxes uh, during kind of this, you know, offseason leading up to the NFL draft. I think Rondale Moore is going to be a huge one. He has a lot of boxes he's going to need to tick. He's had medical issues. Those are going to need to be cleared. You know, he's a guy who is absolutely electric. He's going to have to show, you know, great 40 time, a great three cone. You know, he's really going to have to, to to blow it out of the water to get teams to consider him as a day one prospect. And, is he you the know, Purdue kid? I'm sorry, not to he interrupt. Is, is yeah, he the Purdue yeah, kid? Okay. He is, okay. he's the Purdue wide receiver, had a phenomenal freshman year, and then just has been injury prone since. Uh, I hate using the word injury prone. It's probably not the right term, but he has had <laughs> injury <guess> issues. <laughs> uh, so he's one that definitely has a lot of questions to answer. In terms of medicals, I think Trey Sermon, the, the running back from Ohio State, after kind of the you know, injury that unfortunately knocked him out of the college playoffs. He's going to have some questions there with his medicals. Uh, there's obviously going to be other guys, you know, Trevor Lawrence now is about to go for surgery on his non-throwing arm, but no one cares about that. He's fine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I think, you know, some other guys, you know, Devonta Smith is going to have to come in and weigh more than 170 pounds. There's rumors that he's in the 160s, which for Oof. you know wide receivers and historical context, I mean, that is just not a thing. I mean, we do not show any success with kind of wide receivers that light. So I think he's going to have to bulk up a little bit, uh, you know, to really handle the rigors of the NFL. Um, I think another guy who's going to have some questions to answer is going to be Kenneth Gainwell, the, the running back from Memphis. He's a really versatile player, uh, but he doesn't have a ton of running back experience, and he's going to really have to show, you know, kind of the agility and explosiveness to make him more of a all-around player rather than just a guy who might be a gadget option uh, in the NFL. So, you know, there's there's tons of guys with 40-time questions. Seth Williams from Auburn, Sage Surratt from Wake Forest, uh, Kadarius Toney, the, the burner from Florida State. I mean, there, there are a lot of guys with, with at least one question to answer this offseason. Um, and and I, I think it'll be very interesting, especially knowing the depth of this, the, this class overall and how hyped it is, uh, who kind of rises and falls in the next few months is going to be a very intriguing storyline heading into the NFL draft. Yeah, this is, uh, you know, last year, the wide receiver class was heavily lauded going into the draft. Uh, obviously really performed, I, I think, mostly up to snuff last year. Just a, a great season overall for rookie receivers. Um, do, are you on the, in the same camp that thinks that this season or this year's rookie class of receivers could mirror uh, the talent of last year? Or do you think people are just kind of going a little too far? No, I think it's, I think they're going to be able to really 
come out and and have a similar impact. I, I don't know if we're going to get quite as many of the guys hit right away, uh, sure. but I do think we're going to get three or four guys that probably give a good year one impact, and then we're going to see a lot of guys emerge in years two and three, which is great for dynasty owners, and it's great for uh you know people who really love seeing these these great draft classes come in the nfl but that also comes at the expense of a lot of these nfl veterans and you're going to probably start to see a lot of them struggle to find those jobs when there are these deep draft classes that you know can give teams a little bit of salary cap you know wiggle room at other positions and other other spots on the roster sure sure um i I wanted to ask you george and then we'll get to our final segment here soon but i wanted to ask you like um how do you watch the combine like what's your uh what what's your kind of routine watching or tracking it or keeping a, an eye? I know there's some changes this year. Uh, just just curious if people want to know how to best enjoy the combine. Like, what's your method? Yeah, in a normal year, and unfortunately, you know, I don't think we've had one of those, and I don't know how long I've lost track of time. But yeah, right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, in a normal year, the the NFL Network airs it. You know, you can stream it really easily. There's lots of people covering. You know, it, everything's kind of centralized in one place, so it's great. You know, people will have spreadsheets with all the results, and you know, so it really makes it easy to consolidate things and and kind of see who's doing well. But this year, there's no NFL Combine. It looks like they're gonna you know, there's a bunch of people trying to put together a kind of a big multiple day pro day that a lot of uh, prospects could potentially attend. But I think we're going to be really relying on pro days this year. We're not going to get as much of that TV coverage. We're not going to get as much of that kind of instant gratification of one event. I think it's unfortunately going to trickle in a little more slowly this year, uh, especially because I think players are going to take advantage of the fact that there's no NFL combine and give themselves home field advantage or anything that they see as, as a positive that's going to help them uh, get the best you know, scores possible in these various drills. That makes perfect sense. Uh, I wanted to uh, just kind of close it out with a fun final segment. Uh, this is a segment called Before It's Cool. I want to highlight someone who may go way up or way down in value based on any impending factor. Uh, we've talked about some of those players already via trade draft free agency anything that may really elevate someone um jen who do you who are you kind of eyeing right now before it's cool there's a few guys that that i'm eyeing but i narrowed it down to one i'm gonna go with curtis samuel for this segment ah i you know yeah well first of all you know last year he was basically he was third in adp right behind dj moore robbie anderson he ends it up just, I mean, point three, basically, DJ Moore ended up with 11.9 half PR, PPR points a game. Samuel ended up with 11.6. You know, he, he basically finished, Samuel finished the season as a wide receiver two in a, you know, and he was the third receiver on his own team, right? So you've got that. Obviously, we all know McCaffrey wasn't there, blah, blah, blah. However, he is a free agent, and I don't think he's going to end up back at the Panthers, right? They have too many roster needs to bring him back. So I think if he ends up landing somewhere like Washington or maybe even the Ravens, even though we already laughed about that earlier, but I think wherever he lands, he may be a great value because I think people are just kind of, for some reason, he he's never in the conversation. He's kind of right on the outskirts. But I think before he ends up somewhere in these earlier drafts of best ball, you know, people maybe during redraft early, but I think mostly in best ball draft, I think he could be a really good value because if he does and let, you know, land somewhere where he is their wide receiver too, then his ADP will skyrocket. Well, not skyrocket, but it'll go up. 
I love it. I love it, especially if you go somewhere where they let him move him around. Like like Green Bay is another good spot. I've, I know that's twice right. I've brought up a receiver there, but yeah, I'm with you. I'm completely with you on Curtis Samuel. Uh, George, did you bring uh, someone that you uh, that you're trying to target before it's cool? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are definitely a couple guys, and and I'll, I'll highlight one, and then I'll mention another one. Chase Edmonds is the guy that I'm really interested in, knowing that yeah. Kenyon Drake is a free agent. I love that offense. I mean, he looked good, you know, overall on the season. I know he had a tough start against the Dolphins when uh, Drake was injured, but he still, you know, accumulated almost a thousand total yards. He only had 150 total touches, but he had 53 receptions, and he did it at playing less than half the snaps on the season. So, I mean you know, did a lot with a little. And so I'm curious to see if they give him a bigger role next year, especially if they don't re-sign Kenyon Drake. The other guy I'm keeping an eye on is Anthony McFarland in, in Pittsburgh. I want to see what they do with James Conner. I want to see if they give him a chance. His former coach at Maryland, uh, the offensive coordinator, he was the quarterback's coach, I believe, last year in Pittsburgh. He now got elevated to the offensive coordinator. So he obviously has a history with Anthony McFarland, so I'll be curious to see if he gets more integrated into the offense in 2021. I love that. I have four dynasty leagues, and Anthony McFarland is on my taxi squad in every single one. <laughs> He's a little bowling ball. He just and also I kind of went to Maryland, so I, I love that kid. I'm all in. Uh, I'm uh, looking at Gerald Everett before. I'm sorry, he's cool. hold on a second. How yeah. did you kind of go to Maryland? So I was in the military when I went to school, and and so my degree isn't really University of Maryland, but a lot of my classes were at University of Maryland. So I have like a lot of College Park memories, but that's not where I finished my degree. So it's, so it's like, I, I kind of went to Maryland, but I kind of did, you know? <laughs> so. Okay. That, that makes sense. I'm sorry. Carry on. School sure, of hard knocks. School of hard knocks for Brandon. That's what well, it was. But yeah. Yep. I, I think collecting my transcripts. Cause I went I, in the military. I just kind of went, took classes wherever I could for four years. And so like, I have like Maryland and like Cochise community college in Arizona and like, like all these different little classes that assemble into some semblance of a degree. But uh, <laughs> uh, look where you are cool. today. <laughs> That's right. Uh, but before it's cool, I'm, uh, I'm acquiring Gerald Everett. Uh, he's an impending free agent. Uh, I like tight ends that have been around a little while and then get an up, uh, you know get an increase in targets or or opportunity he's been talented for the rams but just not really used as the main guy i kind of see him as a potential next to laney walker when walker moved from san francisco to tennessee if he lands in like buffalo or the jets jacksonville arizona carolina cincinnati tons of teams out there that need a tight end so he's the one i'm acquiring right now and he's cheap like everybody thinks he's a bust so it, you know you can get him for pretty much nothing in every format so uh that's my guy Listeners, uh, I'm very excited to have George. Everybody needs to follow him at RotoHack on Twitter. Uh, read all his stuff at 444.com. He's really upping the the push for Dynasty content on 444 this year. It's a big part of it. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, George. Any final thoughts or anything you want to plug before we go? Uh, I mean, first off, thank you for having me on. This has been awesome to have the conversation. You know, I'm I'm a big fan of rookie season. I used to have little you know, spreadsheets with little graphs, you know, paper when I was a kid. So for me, it's, it's awesome to be able to talk about it in a medium beyond just my graph paper notebooks. Uh, but, uh, you know, we have a, a startup draft that we're doing off, you know, on, on MFL right now that we're going to post an article to once that's done, we're going to start doing some rookie drafts as well. Um, lots of cool stuff coming in and, you know, always updating the rankings. So I, I think it's going to be a fun off season. And, and I'm glad that, that I'm able to do all this dynasty content for four for four. I'm excited for everything that you put out. Uh, Jen, thank you so much for uh, being the co-host and putting up with me this week. Uh, any final thoughts before we go? Anything you want to plug? Well, 
my, my final thought is that we're going to get George into kickers at some point before the end of the season. He's like the he's like the the anti kicker leader out there, and it's really frustrating to have you know coworker in air quotes, but who hates kickers. It's very frustrating. Like at least fake it, George, but look, he won't. Look, I, mean, he I don't. Comes at I, me. I don't hate kickers. I only hate non Alabama SEC kickers. So it's a very specific oh, hate that oh. I have. <laughs> As oh, my, my was, wife my wife is an alabama alum so i cannot Ugh. support you know clankenship over there i'm sorry oh no this is this is about to become an absolute fight uh perhaps a yeah brawl. i can't i yeah. can't i can't engage right now with this i can't do it we'll, we'll save got, a whole uh, other episode for it john uh, don't yeah, worry. i'm yes. gonna have to put an end to this i'm sorry i i'm, I'm we nervous will. i'm nervous for, <laughs> i'm nervous for both the explicit rating on this podcast as well as perhaps some physical fighting that may occur over podcast which is difficult uh don't <laughs> listeners uh don't forget to subscribe to this podcast you can follow us on twitter at two guys brandon and at the Monday Mommy and once again follow George at Roto Hack. Thank you so much for listening. Have a good day.